We are back. Last night, down at the University of Pacific at the Alex Spanos Center, we attended a talk by Michael Moore. Michael Moore will be coming to the Mondavi Center Monday night. Two sold-out shows. They expect him to play to 3,600 people here in Davis Monday night. Last night in Stockton, he had a large and enthusiastic crowd as well. I uh, did get a chance to speak with him very briefly. He said that we would uh, hopefully see him on Monday. I presented him with a couple of CDs of the show and suggested he listen to them, and hopefully he will, and we will get him on this program next week, where our fingers are crossed. And tonight, we're going to make a trip down to UC Berkeley to listen to the comedy stylings of Mr. Al Franken of Saturday Night Live. Al Franken's book, uh, Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them, A Fair and Balanced Look at the Right, has been number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. Apparently, it's now been deposed by Michael Moore's book, Dude, Where's My Country? A Very Interesting State of Affairs. Two men of a satirical bent who have basically put the administration in the crosshairs and have taken, a, taken the viewpoint that, that they are more, more centrist, more representative of what the American people think. We think they're right here on this program. We've never considered this program to be of the left, and yet nine times out of ten or more, we agree with both Michael Moore and Al Franken. So let's talk a bit about Michael Moore. But before we do, let me go to a couple of emails. The first was sent by Gary Aguilar. Dr. Gary Aguilar spoke on this program about media concentration a few months back, and he'll be returning to the show in November. He sent me a Common Dreams News Center item about what Americans think. Pollsters asked 9,000 Americans about three commonly held canards. One, that the United States had hard evidence Saddam Hussein had been working closely with al-Qaeda. Two, that weapons of mass destruction had been found in Iraq. And that three, world public opinion was in favor of the U.S.-led war. Survey of the public showed that 60% of the people believed at least one of these fallacies. 8% believed all three. The most commonly held view was, rather unsurprisingly, that there was an al-Qaeda Iraqi link. 48% of respondents believe that. 20% believed that the weapons of mass destruction had been found. 25% believed the world of public opinion was in favor of the U.S.-led war. But interestingly, among people who get their news from Fox, 80% had at least one of these misperceptions. 45%, six times the overall national average, held all three. So there it is, folks, officially. Watching Fox makes you stupid. Now, Michael Moore had a lot to say about Fox, and, uh, and so, does, so does Al Franken, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But uh, for those of you keeping score, let's point out that it is day 773 in the still unsuccessful search for Osama bin Laden. And by my calculations, I believe it to be day 168 in the still unsuccessful search for Saddam Hussein. Documentary filmmaker Hannah Shakespeare, who spoke on this program a couple weeks ago about uh, the three nuns who were being uh, prosecuted for uh, sabotage of the U.S. government and putting military personnel, quote, in harm's way, unquote. I would refer you to uh, Common Dreams also for an article on this at their news center, which is at www.commondreams.org. This tells a little bit more about the story that Hannah brought to you and we'll be bringing you an update on in the future, but has a story that I hadn't heard about. Attorney General John Ashcroft has dug out an 1872 obscure law 
to go after Greenpeace with. This law was intended to stop the practice of sailor-mongering, luring sailors with liquor and prostitutes from their ships. Greenpeace boarded a ship that they felt was carrying mahogany down in the Caribbean and made a civil protest and got arrested. And everyone seemed satisfied with that, but apparently uh, not John Ashcroft. He's not arguing that they were attempting to use liquor and prostitutes to get the mahogany ship sailors to join Greenpeace, but somehow he intends to go ahead with the prosecution. This is an unbelievable story, and we don't have time to really do it justice today, but uh, again, add this to our list of things we will return to, and uh, you know that we will. I think we shouldn't really make, uh, make any bones about it. We do not like the George W. Bush administration and all of his uh, surrounding people, from Dick Cheney of Halliburton down to Donald Rumsfeld to Condoleezza Rice. They really do have to go. And that was a lot of what Michael Moore had to say in Stockton last night. I would also refer you to today's scene section of the Sacramento Bee, which has an extra, excellent summary of the uh, barnstorming tour that uh, Michael Moore is taking across the country. And I got to say that uh, the Bee summarized some of the uh, statements that were in Dude, Where's My Country? And there's darned few of them I can really find fault with. We're not going to talk too much more about Michael Moore because we hope to have some words from his own lips for you on next week's program, uh, but we'll see. I do want to say that he did praise Dennis Kucinich, Wesley Clark, and Howard Dean at length um, from the podium last night. We've had Dennis Kucinich on this program, and so we're very much in sync with Mr. Moore on this. He praised very highly Greg Pallast and the work he's done, and uh, we've brought you Greg Pallast twice on this program. And he had a lot to say about media concentration. We had Michael Perini tell you about that. So I would have to say uh, we seem to be of a like mind, uh, Michael Moore and Radio Parallax. And uh, we hope that we can, you know, fully bring the two together on uh, next week's show. Last night's talk, someone was passing out San Joaquin County's alternate newspaper, alternative newspaper, Connections. Story on page one, the top 10 censored stories of the year, an article about Project Censored. And uh, we've been interested in Project Censored. Michael Perini's been part of that. We're going to talk about that uh, in the future, and we're going to talk about it right now. Because Andy Derringer of Free Speech Television attended the Project Censored award ceremony that took place in San Rafael a few weeks back, and he's here to tell us about that event. Joining us now from Boulder, Colorado, is uh, director and producer for Free Speech Television, Andy Derringer. Welcome on board, Andy. Thanks, Doug. Uh, now, you co-produced this live production that took place uh, in San Rafael, California, uh, two weeks ago, I guess, regarding a Project Censored's award ceremony. That's right. Uh, October 4th, they held their 27th annual Project Censored award ceremony. It's 27 years. I didn't realize they had been in operation that long. It was started by Carl Jenkins at Sonoma State University during the Nixon years. Uh, he was just saying that... Um, how media plays such an important role in society and uh, in social dissent. Um, and was seeing that, you know, the story about Watergate, for instance, wasn't, just wasn't in the media when right. it needed to be during the election season. Right. Uh, so he got into, uh, you know, looking around and decided, you know, a lot of news doesn't get covered um, the way it should be. It's hard to prove censorship, but it's basically just censorship by omission. Right. You know, the people that ex- are accepting these awards are kind of in a, in a, in a weird place. You know, it's a, kind of a dubious distinction. These, these are journalists. Um, they're writing these very important stories. 
and then they're getting an award for being censored. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah a little surreal for them in a way to to be celebrating this. But I think what you know Project Censored is getting at is the students there at Sonoma State University are calling through uh, the alternative press and the international press and finding out what you know these important stories that they're seeing in those places, and then looking in the mainstream American press and and kind of putting. Uh, putting the two together and, and saying, well, look, this, these just aren't appearing in certain places, and why? Right. It's important to draw those out and then to draw attention to them, but at the same time, it's, it's a little disturbing that, yeah. uh, that it is so prevalent in our society. What were the stories that, uh, that you were covering there for free speech television that were being awarded? We were covering their their ceremony, so okay. we weren't actually covering the awards. Their number one story this year was the uh, the neoconservative plan for global dominance. They're basically saying that um, you know this wasn't something that just came out after 9/11. They've had plans for preemptive wars in the Middle East for you know over a decade. And uh, this is nothing new. It's something that uh, they were able to roll out very conveniently after the events of September 11th. They had a, a, a plan all along. And they're not saying that uh, you know, they, they were conspiring in 9-11, but gee, isn't this convenient? Well, that's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts on this program. We've touched on that numerous times, the fact that, uh, that, it, that the war in Iraq, uh, from our standpoint, is pretty hard to justify in the wake of 9-11. Right. Another one of their stories this year, but actually they're focusing more on Clear Channel. Yes. Um, and the, the, the Clear Channel monopoly and what that does uh, to local, uh, local programming, local coverage of news events, weather, etc. Um, they used an example of, of a station in Iowa, I believe, that had uh, a train a train car derail with some toxic chemicals on board and they needed to alert the community about this this impending disaster. Yeah. They went to the local radio station, uh, probably not unlike yours, and uh, tried to get somebody there to, to you know, broadcast that, that this is happening and that they need to evacuate. Well, they found out that there was nobody at the station. They just had the station on, you know, autoplay, repeat through the night, you know, and yes. uh, it's another one of these Clear Channel stations. And people don't realize Clear Channel is actually operating a network of stations all across the U.S. with, they're not even in the city. They're maybe recording in Cincinnati for something that's being played in Birmingham. That's a big problem. Andy Geringer, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Free Speech TV and, I, and its connection, if there is one, to Free Speech Radio? Um, there is no association with Free Speech TV Radio, although we do work with some of the reporters on occasion. Uh -huh. um, you know, Free Speech TV, and uh, not unlike Project Censored, is one of these projects um, that's underfunded and uh, volunteer, a lot of volunteer uh, base. Uh, you know, we are working on getting stories out to the public that you're not going to see anywhere else on the television dial. Right. We're on Dish Network 9415. Um, we're a public interest set-aside station. Um, and and you have a website? Uh, www.freespeech.org. And you will get information that you're just not going to see anywhere else. Well, we encourage everyone to do exactly that, and we'd like to hear more from uh, Free Speech TV in the future, so I hope you'll come back uh, uh, in the not-too-distant future and tell us more. Certainly will. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. Right. Take care.
All right, let's talk a couple, for a couple minutes about Al Franken. We're big uh, fans of Mr. Franken. Uh, we think that The Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them is a fantastic book that you need to get and read. He uh, took on Rush Limbaugh a few years back with Rush Limbaugh's A Big Fat Idiot. And, um, you know, I, I understand why it was the whole national press gave Limbaugh a pass for so long. It came out in Newsweek in the wake of his Oxycontin woes that um, he flunked public speaking. He had a D, actually. His speaking teacher, Dr. Bill Stacy, told Newsweek that Limbaugh's father maneuvered him into a communications class, which he didn't do very well in. His teacher said to him, Rush, you need to make an outline. You need some data to support your assertions. Stacy said about young Limbaugh, frankly, he wouldn't do these things. Well, he certainly never picked up the habit anywhere along the way. And Al Franken nailed him on it, and Al Franken was right. Widely quoted from one of his statements on the radio that about drugs. If people are violating the law by drugs, they ought to be accused, and they ought to be convicted, and they ought to be sent up. Michael Moore asked on his, uh, in his talk why it was that Rush Limbaugh wasn't even being charged. He should be put in the slammer, and the 1.1 million Americans that this sort of Limbaugh-esque thinking is put in prison, perhaps, should be let out. Among uh, Franken's more recent targets has been right-wing icon Ann Coulter. We were sent an email by, uh, by Don Rose, who purveyor of the Rose Review in Los Angeles. Interesting uh, finding that I want to report at this point. Uh, after analysis, apparently the head of a UCLA psychiatric team, Sheldon Langmuir, announced that apparently Ann Coulter is stupid, noting that the leggy blonde favorite of the right wing appears to have an IQ somewhere around 83 tops. Dr. Lamier added, this should mitigate attacks on the darling of American ultra-conservatives. Uh, the UCLA team said that her claims that liberals commit treason, the Democrats hate America, they're no better than Al-Qaeda, they're not really her fault. It's noted that stupid people typically make poorly thought out, simplified, and ludicrous remarks. In fact, buffoonish statements are hallmarks of their speech. They do raise a point. They ask, how can people go after this woman for, you know, boorish statements? You know, would they, would they poke fun at Christopher Reeve uh, for not using his legs like an average person? You know, Ann Coulter doesn't use her head, but she really can't. So they feel that attacking Coulter for faulty logic and confused marshalling of facts is really equally cruel and insensitive. I'm not sure that I agree with the findings of Dr. Langmuir at UCLA, but, um, but it does put it in interesting perspective. Going through uh, Al Franken's book, I noted at least 19 instances of things Franken thought were important to tell you about in his book that we thought were important to tell you about on this show. And frankly, I don't have time to go through that list, but there is one. If I'm going to pick one example, I'm going to go to page 122 of Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them to um, note that Franken found out that Congress had proposed a boost of six hundred million dollars for anti-terror programs on September 9th, 2001. The money was to come from Donald Rumsfeld's beloved missile defense program. The eventual price tag of this was estimated by the Congressional Budget Office between 158 billion and 238 billion. Congress's proposal to shift 0.6 billion over to counter-terror programs incurred the ire of Donald Rumsfeld and he threatened a presidential veto. Thank you for pointing that out, Mr. Franken. 
Those hundreds of billions of dollars are what is known as corporate welfare. And it's corporate welfare that doesn't make any of us sleep more securely in our beds at night. Think about it. 0.6 billion that could not be devoted to counter-terror programs out of a total that's going to be about a couple of a hundred billion. Well, let's close with the following since we're just flat out of time. In, in Time Magazine in the past few months, uh, Al Franken's been asked 10 questions in that section they do, and so were his nemeses, Bill O'Reilly and Ann Coulter. The one quote I would grab out of Ann Coulter is that no serious person thinks that we are in the middle of a civil liberties crisis. Well, I guess that depends on whether Greenpeace loses its tax-exempt status over sailor-mongering. The quote from Bill O'Reilly is even better. Do you regret pushing a lawsuit against Al Franken? Not at all. This man is being run by some very powerful forces in this country, and we needed to confront it. I was ambushed at a book convention. He got up in front of a national audience and called me a liar for 20 minutes. President Andrew Jackson would have put a bullet between his eyes. So I guess it's a darn good thing Al Franken didn't denounce old hickory at a book convention. Of course, I like how in Time Magazine he admits that he was pushing the lawsuit against Franken when when Terry Gross asked him on National Public Radio, he hotly denied it. And, you know, to my astonishment, I've heard some people critical of Terry Gross for going after Bill O'Reilly. As, as, as far as I can see, she just stood up to that loudmouthed Irishman and brought him down, hoisted him by his own petard. I mean, caught him in lies and just wouldn't, wouldn't just let his bluster carry the day. Would go back and say, well, what about this? The guy hung himself. If you don't believe me, go listen to it at npr.org. Let's close with Al Franken himself. His question from one of his questions from Time was that uh, rumor has it you're working on a Rush Limbaugh style liberal talk show. To which he answered, "I'm taking that very seriously." Conservatives were smart. They got into this and they've sort of taken over the airwaves. We should have been doing this ten years ago. We hope that uh, Al does this and that his voice joins the chorus of those who are trying to take this country back. I'm Douglas Everett, this is Radio Parallax, and you're listening to KDVS, Davis, Sacramento. Tell me that it's evolution